Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So the other day I was driving along the road, just you know, minding my own business, and um, I saw this incredible rainbow because it's been raining a lot in Perth, right? And um, there was this beautiful rainbow, and God said to me, Donna, don't forget my promises. And I just want to encourage us that you know, there's been lots of storms going on, not, and I don't mean like the rainstorms, I mean the storms of our culture and our society. We've got COVID, we've got wars, we've got earthquakes, all bad news being thrown at us. I don't know, it seems to me the last two years there's been a lot of stuff coming at us, right? And um, it can seem overwhelming, never alone the challenges of everyday life, relationships, work, all that sort of stuff. It feels to me that it's been pretty intense, the storms that have been coming at us or the things that have been coming against us. But you know what? God has promises that can help us to navigate the days in which we're living, which is great news, isn't it? But how do we know we can trust God, right? How do we know we can trust God? You know, for some of us, it's really hard to trust because we've had people let us down. Perhaps the people, the very people that should not have let you down, like your parents let you down. Perhaps a partner, someone you married, that said that they would love you forever, let you down. Perhaps, I don't know, people will let you down. I know that you've only got to live a little bit to know people will let you down. But you know what? God will never let you down. You know, today I want to let you know that he won't let you down, that he cannot let you down, because it goes against his very nature. So what are the promises of God? Good question, right? Well, according to one theologian or one commentary, there are 7,487 promises in the Bible made by God. So I hope you're ready. hope you're ready for a long afternoon. hope you've got your water, your notebooks, because we're going to be here for hours. Or maybe we could have a 500-week series for us, Jared, on the promises of God. But, no. I'm gonna, it's all right. You'll be out of here in time to eat your lunch. Um, but we're just going to look at a couple of the promises of God, and hopefully I'll get through about six today. But we're going to have a look in Genesis, where um, the rainbow first appears. So when God spoke to me, and he said, Donna, don't forget my promises. And I knew it was one of those significant kind of stop and think here. And God is always speaking to me. I'm in constant communion with God. But this was like a don't forget, Donna. So i like, okay, I'll, I'll go back to what the Word of God says. That's what I always do. And so in Genesis 9, we actually team, sorry, we're going to go from verse 12, if, we can, if you can pull that up. And it, anyway, before it's going through all the promises, and it says, God continued. He said, this is the sign of the covenant that I'm making between me and you and everything living around you and everything living after you. I'm putting my rainbow in the clouds, a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And from now on, when I form a cloud over the earth and the rainbow appears in the cloud, I'll remember my covenant between me and you and everything living, that never again will floodwaters destroy all earth. And when the rainbow appears in the cloud, I'll see it and remember the eternal covenant between God and everything living, every 
last living creature on earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I've set up between me and everything living on earth. So right from the very beginning, God is establishing that he is responsible for his creation. Even though through Adam, sin entered the world, God established his covenant with his people. The rainbow is a sign that God will never flood the earth again. Well, that's good news, right? Well, we know we're not going to be destroyed by floods, so we can hang on to that. But what is a covenant? Now, we hear this term through the Bible all the time, and I just want to say that we don't really understand in our Western culture today what covenant actually really means. So if you come to Bible college, which you should <laughs> at some point, you'll learn about covenants and how significant they were and how important they were and actually what it really meant. I think the closest we've got to a covenant to, to understand is marriage. But of course, we know through our generation that marriage, we can throw that away or we've been throwing that away and we don't consider that that important. And so, but covenants were established and were supposed to be never broken. And God made covenants with his people and they were binding and he promised that he would never break them. It's like a treaty or an agreement that cannot be easily gotten out of it. And like I said, we could do a whole study on covenants. And if you come to college, we will. <laughs> but God has certain agreements with his people. But how can we trust? How can we trust that God won't let us down. It's all well and good to say, well, God's got all these promises. He's got all these things for us. But how can we trust it, right? Well, let me show you in Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? You know, any healthy, healthy and long-lasting relationship finds its idea in trust. So this word is defined as a reliance on, an, on the integrity of a person or thing. You know, trust is so important. Now, when trust is lost, when lying is introduced into any relationship, the, the definition of a lie is a false statement made with deliberate intent to deceive. So just so that you know, people lie, but if it's a deliberate intent to deceive, then how can we trust anything that is said after that, right? You know, a philosopher, Frederick Niedrich, said this about lying. He said, I'm not upset that you lied to me, but I'm upset that from now on, I can't believe you. And isn't that true? When someone lies to us, it puts into question everything they've ever said or everything they say in the future. That's why lying is so dangerous. And we had this little rule in our house when our kids were growing up that lying was the worst thing you could do. Now, it didn't matter what they did, but if they lied, it was like the full weight of the law was going to come down on them. Why was that? Because we knew we needed to be able to trust them and they also needed to trust us. So if we said we were going to do something, we worked our backsides off to follow through so that they learnt they could trust us. And for them, if they lied to us, that was like the worst sin. <laughs> and they were in big trouble. Because we knew trust was such an important part of relationship. 
So God's word is intended to edify his followers. It's intended to help us, right? From book to book, chapter to chapter, we read a number of stories with a consistent message about the benefits of following Jesus Christ. But imagine if instead, if each story was inconsistent in its ideology and instead of edifying us, we were made to feel worse. If truth were replaced with lies, then there would be no more faith. We could not trust the Bible or believe any of what it says. But over centuries, this is not just something we've come up with in the last few years. Over centuries, it's proven to be worthy of trust. Scholars have for centuries been researching the authority and the authenticity of the Bible. That is such good news for us, isn't it? So many people with really, you know, really smart, way smarter than me, have spent their lives looking into the Word of God, have spent their lives studying, trying to find if it's inauthentic. And we find that over and over and over, it proves, is proven worthy. So let me give you an example of that. So there was a mathematical professor. His name was Peter W. Stoner. He said there are over 40 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled and the chances of just eight, just eight of those prophecies coming to pass by sheer chance is one in 10 to the power of 17. Now, for those of you that know me, I'm not a mathematician. I worked out when I was homeschooling my kids, I failed grade seven mathematics. <laughs> so that's okay. God can still use people that can't do maths. <laughs> Praise God for that. But let me explain it like this. It might help you. He said, if you covered the state of WA with $1 coins up to a foot deep and then blindfolded someone, any volunteers to be blindfolded, to go and find just $1 coin with a cross marked on it, that is the sheer <laughs> miracle it would be um, to for those prophecies to come to pass. Does that make sense? And that's just eight of them. Jesus fulfilled over 40. That's a miracle. No one can decide where they're born, right? But it was prophesied where Jesus would be born. No one can decide really the day they're going to die or how they're going to die, but it was prophesied. We can trust the word of God. You can trust what's in it. Okay, but the Bible makes it clear that trust is a key component in our relationship with God. Job had to trust God as he suffered. Paul had to trust God when he was in the prison. Jesus had to trust God as he clung to the cross for you and I. Trust is a key component. component. But if God then cannot lie, how can we trust his promises? In Jeremiah 1 verse 12, it says, God said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. I love that scripture because I know when I pray the word of God, God says he's watching over his word to perform it. So if you pray your thoughts, your words, your desires, I don't know that God's going to do that. But you pray his words, his thoughts, his desires, guess what? He promises that he's going to perform it. So what are you hanging on to? What promises are you hanging on to? Okay. So if we know that God cannot lie, then what are the promises that we can trust in? Number one, 
We know that God will not flood the earth again. That's good news, right? Okay. But let's look at the other promises. You know, um, commentators say that Noah was, uh, sorry, Noah was alive when Abraham was on the earth. But Noah didn't pass on his faith to Abraham. Abraham had to discover it for himself. There's something in that. <laughs> I thought, Lord, let me not be that, that I'm passing on the goodness of God. I'm passing on the word of God, that people don't have to redig it out and rediscover it because we haven't passed it on. Parents, pass on your faith to your children. But in, let's look at Genesis where we see the next covenant that is made by God to Abraham, actually, and it's a covenant of faith. In Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3, it says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That is great. Wouldn't you love God to say that about you? Wouldn't you love it? Oh, I'll have that. Thanks. I'd like to be blessed and Anyone who curses me, you'll sort them, God, and, and all peoples will be blessed through me. How cool was that? Well, let's go to Galatians in the New Testament, 3, verse 7 to 9. It says, The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures look forward to this time, this very time, when God would make the Gentiles right in, in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. If you have a faith in Jesus Christ, then you share the same blessing that Abraham had. That's good news, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So number two, God promises to bless you and your children. So this covenant was based on faith. So if you have a faith in Jesus, then you can expect that God will bless you and your children. But the question I have for you is, do you expect blessing? Do you expect blessing? Are you speaking out, I'm blessed? Or are you speaking out that you're not blessed? <laughs> you know, it's a decision to decide, God, God, you said I'm blessed, so I'm going to walk in that blessing. And bit by bit as you do that, um, you will walk in his blessing. And I know for me, when I first got saved, um, when I first gave my life to Jesus, um, I didn't know whether God can bless me. I still sometimes, when I think about what God has done in my life, I'm amazed and astounded at his goodness towards me because I had disqualified myself. I thought I've done too many things. I've done too much wrong. There is no way God can use my life for me, it was like, thank you, God, I'm saved and I'm now going to heaven. It was like, oh, praise God for that. Yay, scraped in. But there's, I thought there was no way God can use my, my life. But yet he has chosen to do that. And I'm so grateful that I get to do what I'm doing, that I get to be blessed and I get to walk in those things. But you know what? The prayer that I had, because I didn't think I could be used by God, uh, my prayer was, Lord, let my kids not experience what I've experienced, and let them be used by God. And so I determined that the best I could, I was going to raise my children in the house of God. I was going to raise them to love Jesus so that they wouldn't experience what I had experienced. Now, without going through everything I've experienced, I was full of pain. I was full of fear, 
full of anxiety because I was so afraid of everything. I'd made wrong choices. I'd got into wrong things. I'd worked out from pretty much from the age of 14 to the age of 21 when I gave my life to Jesus that there was nothing out there for me because I tried it all. I tried to fill that hole in my heart and nothing worked. And in the process of that, I did a lot of damage to myself and a lot of damage to others for which I'm sorry for, but I'm grateful God has forgiven me and yet he still chooses to use me. That's crazy. But what about, what about my kids? I decided I was going to position them in the house of God and with the people of God so that they would get the blessing as well. Can I encourage you, parents or you know, young people, position yourself in the house of God because it's through positioning yourself that God blesses you, that God outworks his purposes in your life. And as you position yourself, God can do something in you and through you. But parents, position your, your children in the house of God. What I'm excited about now is that my children haven't experienced what I experienced. When I was 14, I, when I, was 14, I rebelled. I was waiting for my kids to rebel. I kept waiting. Okay, they're going to rebel any minute now. <laughs> But what I found was that they didn't rebel because it's hard to rebel against God. You'll rebel against people and your parents, but you won't rebel against God. They had a personal relationship with Jesus, so didn't feel the need to rebel. And so now I'm positioning, they're all adults now, but now I'm positioning my grandchildren in the house of God because I know that they would be blessed if they do that. So I just want to encourage you to do that. But the scripture says that we would be a blessing to the nations. So how do we be a blessing to the nations? I'm just trying to find my brochure, Pastor Jared. <laughs> Look, this is how you can go. This is how you can be a blessing to the nations. Now, you may not go to Africa or you may not go to Europe or to Melbourne or where we might go to Melbourne, maybe, if Mark McGowan lets us out. Anyway, we might get to go there one day. <laughs> But you, when you send your money, you are going, you are bringing the kingdom of God to those places so that they can be blessed, so that they can have their lives turned around. So I want to encourage you, don't just dismiss the booklet. Oh, that's a nice booklet. It is nice booklet too. But don't dismiss it because destiny is attached to this and your part in it is significant. You may be thinking, well, I don't have a lot of money. That's okay. It doesn't matter about the money. It matters about your heart and positioning your heart to be a blessing to the nations because you're called to that. You are called to be a blessing to the nations. So, but what about just in your day to day? We are supposed to bring the kingdom of God to the planet. And, you know, when you go to work tomorrow, you are bringing the kingdom of God to the planet. We, you have been created to solve the problems of the world and to bring God to every circumstance. So let me just help you with that. So it's getting so much easier these days, actually, to know what the kingdom of God is, because it's pretty well opposite to what the culture of today is. So, you know, let me give you an example of that, is if you you know, if you're in your work environment and someone's being mean or nasty to you or not giving you what you think you deserve, why don't you do what God would do and bless them and change that culture in that environment? As you do that, you are bringing the kingdom of God and you are changing the culture. Person by person, we will change the culture of where we're living if we bring God to it. Okay, so you're called to be a blessing. Number three, 
God promises that if we search for him, we will find him. Have you ever cried out, God, where are you? Do you even know me? Do you even see what I'm going through? And I know I've had prayers like that. God, do you even know? And I just want to say to you, I was praying this morning and I felt like there would be someone here that has cried out to God this week with that. It's God, do you even see me? Do you even know me? Do you even know what I'm going through? And I want to say, God is not hiding for, from you. He's not hiding. He's, he's inviting you in. He's inviting you into intimacy with him. He's saying, come closer, come closer to me. But I'm going to show you some scriptures. So in Deuteronomy 4, 29... It says this, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Isn't that good news? And in Matthew 7, verse 7 to 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So God is not hiding from you. He's waiting for you to invite him in. God is not playing a cosmic game of hide and seek with you. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I just can't hear from God. I'm just, you know, is God even there? <laughs> yes, he is. Just spend time with him. Just rely on him, lean on him, and he will help you. So the problem is not with God. It's with us who limits his access to our lives. Don't limit God's access to every part of your life. God loves you so much. He wants to be part of every part of your life, the difficult parts, the easy parts. He wants to be found in your everyday, ordinary lives. Number four, God promises that all things will work out good for his children. Romans 8:28 says this, and that we know God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know, when we're in the middle of a challenge, hanging on to this promise that God will work all things together for good, that is such a great thing to hang on to, right? Sometimes bad things happen, but yet God will turn it for your good. He will use it to glorify him and to help you. And he'll, you know, God has taken, taken the horrible parts of my life and my story and turned them into something that would bless others and he'll do the same for you. Number five, God promises a new life in Christ. So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. That is such good news. When you belong to Christ, you become a new person. I can tell you now, I'm a new person. <laughs> um, God wants to give you a fresh start. That's good news, right? But you know what we tend to do is that we get this fresh start from God and then we go back and we dig up the old life. We keep digging it up. We talk about the old life. We talk about the old things. We remind other people of all the things that we have done and how unworthy we are or how whatever. Can I just say, don't do that. You've got a new life. Walk into that new life and leave the old behind. And the power of the Holy Spirit lives in you so that you can live this new life. You know, I just want to say to you that, um, you know, sometimes people will come to me 
as a pastor and they will go to great lengths to tell me how they can't overcome a certain thing because of their circumstances. Can I just say, please don't come to me and say that to me (laughs) because really what you're saying is the power of God is not sufficient for me to overcome the challenges that God actually promises, promises us that he will. And so really what we're saying is that God's power is not big enough to deal with me, that somehow we are worse than somebody else and that God's power is not able to. The Holy Spirit lives in you. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory. You know, when we say it's too hard or we can't stay away from sin, you're denying the power of God that lives in you. Really, what you're saying is that that my sin is bigger than Jesus. You're saying that, that I can't overcome because God is not big enough to help me to overcome. It's not a sin condition, it's a lordship condition. When we don't bow our knee to God, but we bow our knee to other things, then those things will overtake us. But we need to learn to bow our knee to God. It's a lordship issue, not a sin issue. So number six, God promises salvation and rescuing. But this implies, right, that there's something threatening to us. When we need rescuing or we need saving, there's an implication that there's an impending doom or there's something that we need saving from. So in 2 Corinthians 1.10, it says, And He did it. He rescued us from certain doom, and He'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. So what is this impending or certain doom? You know, it's not salvation from habits, although God will do that. It's not salvation from a broken marriage, but He'll do that too. It's not salvation from an empty bank account, although He'll do that too. And it's not salvation from an unfulfilled life, but He'll do that too. So what the salvation that the Bible's talking about is salvation from the consequence of our sin. You know, when Adam chose to disobey God, the poison of death entered. And unless we give our lives to Christ, we will experience everlasting death. You know, in the Bible, there was a centurion or a guard in, um, that was guarding Paul and Silas in the, in the um, prison. Now, the thing is, if those guards let a prisoner go, there, it was instantaneous execution for them. That was the consequence. And, but this executioner said to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? We read it in Acts 16, 30 to 31. It says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, it wasn't saved from death because he was going to die. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So this saving is from an eternity without God. It's It's an eternity separated from all things good. And we all need saving from that. We all need saving from that. So this rainbow where I started, the rainbow is an ever-present reminder of God's promises to us. The rainbow is God's visual reminder to us in the book of Genesis, but right at the beginning we see that. 
But he, the rainbow also appears in Revelation. I love that. From the beginning right to the end. And we're going to read that in Revelation 4, 2 to 3. It says, Immediately I was in the Spirit. This is John speaking. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he sat there like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. So John was not describing his form, but he was describing his brilliance and his mercy. And the rainbow is a constant reminder that God is merciful to us. The rainbow was at the beginning and it was at the end. And it's in between to remind us of God's promises. It's to remind us that we can trust the Word of God. It's to remind us that God will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's always there for us. God is there. Every time you see the rainbow, I want you to remember God's promises that He is for you. He is with you. He won't leave you. He cannot. Remember, He cannot because He's not a man that can lie. He's God and He's hovering over His Word to perform it. So right from the end, you know, I read too about the rainbows that God puts the rainbow above His throne to remind Himself of His promises that He's made to you. How good is that? So God is promising. So don't forget His promises. Through every season, through every challenge, God is with you. His promises are for you. They are yes and amen. Why don't we stand and just worship God right now? Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.